0: Hey y'all, welcome back for another episode here on the Gracely Refined podcast. As always, I'm your host, Morgan Redferron, and I am so delighted that you tuned in today, friend. For today's episode, I am so excited to have my dear friend from college, Tori Paris Steigel, on to talk about her newest book, Love Is Never Lost Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. I could not believe all that Tori has accomplished since we've left the University of Mobile and I am just so incredibly proud of her. But for those of you who aren't friends with Tori or you do not know who she is, Tori is an internationally acclaimed recording artist known for her energetic performances and fun personality. Whether in schools, churches, prisons, or hospitals, Tori is passionate about sharing the gospel. She has toured extensively for the past decade, performing her music and teaching at workshops, conferences, and universities. Tori has opened for bands such as Plum for King & Country, 10th Avenue North, Britt Nicole, Skillet, Sidewalk Prophets, and more. Tori holds numerous national and international awards and is a voting member of the Gospel Music Association. Prior to publishing Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving, Tori also published Pure and Jesus Kisses. Her passion is to see this generation fall back in love with Christ. Tori also earned her BA in worship leadership. Church Ministries from the University of Mobile, go Rams, her MA in Music Education from Liberty University and her JD from Birmingham School of Law. She is an attorney practicing law at the Paris Law Firm and is also a music professor at JSU, or Jacksonville State University here in Alabama. Tori and her husband Matt also have made their home in Alabama and I am just so excited for you guys to hear this conversation today. So without further ado, grab your Bible and coffee and we're going to get into to it friends Tori I'm so glad and excited that you're here with us today friend how are you doing today
1: oh I'm doing well and thank you so much for having me on the podcast to share with your listeners this is such a blessing and I'm so super proud of you for doing this this is awesome
0: Thank you and I'm so glad that you decided to come on it's not every day I get to talk to someone from UM like I don't really get to see anybody anymore so the fact that I get to have you on here for your book and just all that the Lord's been doing in your life the last few years girl I'm so incredibly proud of you
1: oh and all well, that thank you thank <laughs> you he amazing. is a really awesome God <laughs> yes
0: Oh my goodness. So before we get into the topic of your book and like what the Lord's doing in your life and what he has been doing in your life, I always ask my listeners who are, or my listeners, I always ask my guests who are coming on for my listeners to know, what is a way that God is currently refining you either in this season or a previous season that you would like to share?
1: Um, for everything that we're going to talk to your listeners about today, God has really been teaching me to put my trust in him over and over and over again. And why he keeps teaching me this lesson, I'm not really sure. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but just learning how to put our trust daily in the Lord and just to, be completely dependent on him. And that's a really vulnerable place to be. It's a scary place to be if we're being honest. Um, But yeah, he has been teaching me that he is just a lamp to my path. He's showing me the next step at a time. And it's okay that I don't have the full roadmap. It's okay that I don't always understand what he's doing because he's good and he's faithful, even in the seasons when I can't understand what's happening.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. And see, I completely relate because I feel like one of the things that the Lord has always like taught me and continues to teach me is definitely trusting in him. And I'm like, maybe I'm just stubborn and I need to constantly learn that lesson. (laughs) But he, he will push me to like my breaking point of like just like out of my comfort zone and where I only can depend on him and I can only trust in him. But those are the like the most beautiful moments because I really, truly only have him in those moments. And girl, you know that just about as well as anybody, seriously, I am just, wow, the Lord has done so much in your life and I'm so proud of it. But before we get into kind of like the topics of your book, do you want to give a little bit of backstory of like how you came to the Lord, like how long you've been uh, serving the Lord, all of that, so my listeners are a little bit more familiar with you and your story?
1: Yeah, sure. So I am from Alabama and I was born into an incredible Family of faith that goes back generations, and my family has, um, you know, raised all of us in church. I have been at church my entire life. Every time the doors are open, whether I was sick or not, my family said we're going to be there. And I grew up learning scripture always in Sunday school. my My church was huge on discipleship, and so. I just grew up with this innate knowledge of who God is, and um, that really led me through high school to start interning at church, to start uh, pursuing what it might look like to work at church, to be a worship leader. So I went down to the University of Mobile for my undergrad. There I studied music and theology and really just dove into how to serve the church better, and I started working at a church down in Mobile at Destination Church, and I was there for a few years, got married to my husband, Matt, and we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. We started working at a big church in downtown Atlanta, and while we were there, um, I started working on my master's degree at Liberty, and through Liberty, I got my master's in music education, and as soon as I finished my master's, I posted it on Facebook, and I got a job offer from the local college, the local university, Jacksonville State, that is in my hometown. And so we moved home and I started teaching at JSU. And shortly after that, I started going to law school and finished up law school. And now I'm an attorney, but I have been uh, in, in ministry for over 10 years now, loving every minute of it. And my husband travels and tours. Um, he goes out with different Christian artists and does all their stage and lighting design. And he runs the lights for different concerts. So our life is a little bit uh, up in the air most of the time. And um, yeah, that's kind of our backstory. We just really love, love the Lord, love the church and are thankful to be able to serve and do what he calls us to do. And that has um That has led us into a lot of beautiful things and a really some difficult times. Um, You know, part of what we're going to talk to your listeners about today, right after we got married, um, shortly thereafter, my grandmother passed and that was really big for our family. We have, um, we have a very large family and my grandmother was Kind of, uh, you know, our, our matriarch, she was in charge. Everybody did what Meemaw said. And when Mimal passed, it was very much learning what a new normal would look like for our family because she lived with us and we took care of her. And she had been such a big part of my life growing up. And then right after we got our breath back from losing my grandmother, my dad got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, just completely out of the blue. And, um, that happened the week of the COVID shutdown, right? When the rest of the world shut down, our life shut down too. And so this amazing family I was born into, which I thank God for, we were thrown into this test and we had to decide whether we were going to trust God and believe him to be who he said he was or whether we weren't. And I watched my mom and dad stand and look death in the face. And in the midst of that, have the faith to say, we choose to believe for a miracle. Mm,
0: Yes, that is so beautiful. And yeah, just as you talked about, for those of my listeners who don't know what she's referencing, Tori has come out with a new book and it's called Love is Never Lost, Standing Strong in Faith While Grieving. And it's all about her family's journey as they watched her father go through this horrible gut-wrenching diagnosis. Seriously, I could not read this without crying. It was just so heartbreaking just knowing you and having met your family um, just at different functions at university just being able to see that you had to go through that, especially in the middle of something that was already so hard COVID and the pandemic and all of that was so difficult on everybody at that point. And we didn't really know what the future held and there was so, it was surrounded with so much death and so much sadness and yes. heartbreak. And then in the middle of that, you also had to add this onto it. I, truly don't know if I would have been able to have that same faith as how your family did. And even through your faith. And I love how much like just how real and honest you were through this, just about your struggles and about how you had to try to come to terms with that. But when regards to that, so as you were preparing to write this book, because you mentioned in the book that you had kind of started just making a diary almost on your phone of things that were going on with your dad. So when did you actually start, getting to the place where you could start putting this into kind of like a book format and in, in these words during your grading process?
1: Well, writing has always been how I process things. Um, you know, I think, I think that writing things down is a really healthy way for us to process. Yes. Um Ever since I was young, I mean, starting back in middle school, I would always keep these prayer journals where I would write down my prayers and I would write down um, things almost like a diary entry to to the Lord. I would say, you know, dear Jesus today. (laughs) And uh, it's so fun because I can go back and look at them. And some of them I think, oh, my goodness, how did he love me through that? Um, (laughs) But I kept these journals my whole life. It was just part of what I did. And especially being a worship leader and a songwriter, getting my feelings out and putting words to those emotions is very helpful for me. Um, So I had taken notes throughout the entire time my dad was sick. I kept notes on my phone um, just because we didn't know when would be his last day with us you know, his doctors hadn't really given us a timeline. They had said it would be soon um, because they told us there were no treatment options available. So we were, we were in this weird limbo of trying to balance the reality we were faced with, with our faith, which was really hard. Um, And we didn't know with all the medications my dad was taking to try and prolong his life, What day would actually be our last? What conversation would be our last? What precious memory would be our last? And so for me, I wanted to be able to live in those moments. And as soon as they would happen, I would jot them down. So that way I wouldn't have to worry about remembering because that was one of my biggest fears was I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget what we shared. And so I would keep these notes. I would keep these prayer journals and A couple of weeks after my dad passed, um, he passed July 10th in August. My husband and I took a a short vacation just to kind of get away from everything and reset. And we were in the car on this long road trip and I just started writing on my laptop. I just started typing out anything and everything I could think of and I was typing my feelings, and at this point, I was very, very angry at God, so I was trying to vent um, and just get it all out, and I did that to begin with, and then I sat on it for a really long time. Months and months went by, and I never touched it, and then I came back to it the following spring, and in that spring, I just thought, you know, this is I'm still wrestling with these questions. I'm still wrestling with so much of what we went through, and I've got to find a way to get through it. So I started searching for books and scriptures that could help me to deal with the grief. And really the book is kind of, you know, my research into what am I going through and how do I get out the other side of it? What does it look like on the other side? And so that's the way the book is outlined. The beginning of it is telling you our story. The middle of it tells you about my dad's funeral and and the week that followed that. And then the ending of it, the the third part, if you will, is the aftermath, what it looked like adjusting to a new normal and trying to, um, trying to navigate what a new world without him would look like.
0: Yes. And I know that had to be so hard. And one thing that, as you were speaking, that it made me think of is, I don't know who, if you know who like Megan Marshman is but she is a pastor or teaching pastor at a church. um, I want to say in California, I might have that wrong. But anyways, one of her messages that she spoke on, um, because her husband just randomly passed away probably about two or three years ago now. And one of the first messages that she spoke on was about joy and trials and grief. And one of the quotes that she said that just has really always stuck in my mind is that pain is relatable. And unfortunately, some of our strongest, deepest emotions even in worship like most of like if you look at even hymns like um like it is well that was written from such a place of deep mourning and grief but it is such a beautiful and powerful song and we still sing it in churches today just because of the power of what it means that No matter what we go through, it is still well with our soul because God is still good. Even Mm -hmm. with all the bad that is happening, God is still good. He is still sovereign. He is still on the throne no matter what we are facing. But pain is relatable. And unfortunately, we have to, everybody has some kind of pain at some point in their life. Everybody's going to experience whether that's a loss, whether that is a like a sickness or just things not working out the way that they thought they would um like even in my own personal life currently you know we lost the the great patriarch of my family which is my great-grandfather we lost him very suddenly in november and i was eight months seven and a half eight months pregnant trying to figure out how in the world was i going to travel six hours away to be able to go be at his funeral
1: mm. and to be able to
0: grieve him and to be there for my family and, um, during that time I had just launched the podcast and that season, the Lord had really put on my heart to speak on trials. Now, granted I'd gone through hard things in my life, but I did not expect like right in the middle of me recording that and having that published. Cause I pre-recorded all of those before they came out and I had them lined up in the order that I felt the Lord wanted me to. And the week that my grandfather died two days after that was the episode that I did on James, which was um how you can have joy in trials and in suffering. Oh, wow. And so he I've always believed that God is gonna give us what our heart needs in our hardest trials, but we have to be willing to and open to listen to that. So as you're walking through this, like I said, we see so much heartache and we re- like you can really feel and see your pain within the pages of this. But one thing I love about that is even in your pain, you still somehow are able to reach out to God, even if that's in a broken state. And so for you, at what point do you feel like, um, cause I, you know, you go through all these different emotions. At what point within your journey do you believe that it went from, just being able to try to come to grips with it to you could really rest in what the Lord was trying to do with you guys and through you guys in the season that you were facing.
1: Yeah, there's one passage in the book. Um, this was actually going to be the original title of the book. <laughs> it's called, uh, I-, I had initially thought I would name the book Wildflowers Always Grow. Um, yes,
0: I love that in your
1: book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was this there was this time it was, um, it was the last day that was a good day. You know, if you've ever been with a family member that was sick, there's always that last good day where everything kind of starts to go downhill. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's absolutely. that, it's that last day where you realize, okay, they're not going to get back out of the bed. They're yeah. not going to be able to eat again. They're not gonna be able to laugh and cut up with us and do all the things we wanted to do, right? There's that one day where something in your mind, God just begins to prepare you, the anticipation, and says, "Okay, you need to get everything ready, right?" So I had that day, and I go running out into this meadow that's beside our our house. My dad had kept it for years um, as one of his favorite hunting spots, <laughs> and so. I went running out into this meadow and it was just full of these beautiful wildflowers all around me. And I I had to distance myself from my family because there was so much going on in the house. I knew that they did not need to see me broken because for so long I had tried to be strong for my parents. And when that realization hit me, I just had to get away from everyone. And I go out into this field and it was so overwhelming that I, I got sick. I mean, I was violently sick. I was out in this field by myself. I, I didn't know where else to turn. And I started having one of these Job moments where if you've ever read the book of Job, which I highly recommend anybody going through a difficult season, you need to dive into Job. Yes. But I, I got into it and I just started yelling at God. I mean, I was angry. I was mad at him for letting this happen. I was mad at him for allowing this to go on in our life. And I just began screaming at him and he wouldn't answer me. Right. So I start yeah. screaming the name Jesus. And I'm at this point, I'm just begging him to answer. I want to hear his voice. And the longer that I screamed at the name, Jesus, It went from me screaming, screaming it in anger to shouting it in adoration. And then I just Mm -hmm. fell to my knees and I just was whispering the name of Jesus. And it was this moment where I realized it doesn't matter how angry I am. He is still God. He is still in control. And it doesn't matter how much I doubt him, how much I question him. He's still God. And the words from Job 38 through 42 just started coming into my head. You know, that there's that really rich passage where God is asking Job. He says, Job, where were you when I created all these things? Where were you when I put the stars in the sky? When I told the ocean, you can only come this far. Where were you, Job? Because you're asking me all these big things And my question is, who are you to ask of me, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, I just had to sit there for a moment and realize that seasons would come in my life. Pain would come in my life. But at the end of it, God doesn't owe me an explanation. And that's really, really difficult to wrestle with, right? Because we want to know why. We want the explanation. But the reality is, he didn't owe us anything. He didn't, right. he didn't owe going to the cross. He paid what we owed. Yeah. <laughs> and so many times we demand things of God. We demand a miracle. We demand a breakthrough. We demand that he answer us. When really God owes us nothing. If anything, we ho- owe him our everything, you know? And um, so I just began to praise him. Because Mm -hmm. even though I didn't feel like it, the scriptures had taught me, my life experience had taught me that he is truly faithful. And you know, one of my favorite quotes is one from Billy Graham. It's one I use on page 21 in the book. And it actually says this, life has its share of joys and laughter, but we also know life's road is often very rough. Temptation assails us. People disappoint us, illness and age weaken us, tragedy and sorrow ambush us, evil and injustice overpower us. Life is hard, but God is good and heaven is real. And I think that's such a fundamental truth that we as Christians have to hold on to because there's that age old question of it: why does a good God allow bad things to happen? Yes. That's not up to us to decide. It's not up to us to answer. All we know is that life is difficult, but God is good and the hope of heaven is real. I mean, Jesus himself even said, in this world, you will have suffering, but fear not for I've overcome the world.
0: Yes, absolutely. And one thing that I've always loved and admired just about God as our creator is he wants us to bring our wrestling. He wants us to bring our worries and our doubts and our fears and our questions to him. And we may not get the answers. We may never get that in our lifetime. That might not be anything we will ever understand because our world is so broken and fallen until we get to heaven. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we're able to come to him and bring those things, I've always loved Psalms. And so David, so many times you just see like almost this crazy, like angsty vibe going out all the way through Psalms where he's, wrestling like where he's praising God wrestling with God praising where are you God asking questions and then at the end of all of that he's like but I will trust you yeah because you are still good and you still have a purpose and a plan for what is going on life." and my goodness David went through so much and everything else in his life anyways but I also as you're talking I love this part of your book where you're talking about the garden of the Gethsemane where how the humanity fell and had fallen in the garden of Eden. And like even Jesus had to submit to his death on the cross in the garden of Gethsemane. And I love that the very end of that paragraph that you put, it says because gardens are spaces where life, death, growth, and pruning take place. Our testimonies are no different. We shouldn't expect that if God wouldn't even spare his own son, that we're not going to be spared of pain. We were never promised a life without pain. And that we have to, unfortunately, until we are heaven bound and until we are in our heavenly home, we are going to experience that. And that is really hard for a lot of people to even wrap their head around or even their Mm -hmm. mind around because we want things to be good. We want things to be whole. But unfortunately, that's just not the world we live in. But I love that we get these very real honest examples in scripture of even our savior who was wrestling with what he was going to have to go through. Yeah. it's took for us. And I love seeing that because you see the humanity, but you see how we also need to come before the Lord in that way. Not saying that we don't ha- like, we can't grieve and we can't miss people and we can't miss the ones that we've lost or the situation or whatever it is that someone might be grieving. Um, but in this situation, you know, it was obviously your, your father. And in my situation, my grandfather, and we have to know one that as long as they accepted the Lord and knew Jesus, that we're going to see them again one day. And that's the beauty of it. And that's the one thing that gives me peace
1: with Mm -hmm. all of this.
0: Even though I miss my grandfather so dearly, I know I will be reunited with him one day. And that is the sweetest treasure that I could ever hope for.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I <laughs> I almost bite my tongue in in saying this, but, you know, I think so often in the church, we don't want to talk about some of these difficult issues, some of these difficult times that we go through, you know. Mm-hmm. The one thing that is universal, that unites all of us, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're from the U.S., if you're from, you know, uh, Europe, Africa, I don't care. Every single person of every demographic is going to face loss. They're going to lose someone. And if you live long enough, you're going to lose people that you care deeply about profoundly for, but so often it's the one thing we don't talk about, you know, and a lot of times people are almost, they're almost made to feel ashamed of their grieving. You know, we're so conditioned in today's society that when you walk by someone and you go, Oh, Hey, how are you? What's your first reaction? I'm doing good. How about you? Right, (laughs) Especially here in the South. But What if we were honest? What if when people said, hey, how are you? If we were real and if we were hurting, we said, you know what? I'm not doing good today. How much would that change the world around us? And how much would that change the way that the church operates as the hands and feet of Jesus? If we were really honest with people and we didn't just respond with these easy things, you know, I, I think back to when we were when we were going through losing my dad after the fact people all the time. And I know they had the sweetest of intentions would say, well, how are you guys doing? And I would think to myself, you don't really want to know. I don't, I don't think you want the burden of that. I don't think you really want me to tell you how we're doing. How do you actually think we're doing? And invariably I would just say back to them, we're going to be okay. Thanks. You know, because I couldn't say, "Oh, we're fine. I couldn't say we're doing good. I couldn't say anything like that. All I could do was say, "We're going to be okay because I just knew that in faith we would be okay because God wouldn't fail us. Um, but yeah, I just I think it's so interesting when we talk about these these passages, there's so much of the bible that has to deal with life's issues you know jesus even lost lazarus one of his friends he grieved over him it says that jesus wept for him and um i i think so many times we lose sight of that because we want to be polite and act like we're doing okay
0: yeah Absolutely. And see, we want to, I think that's also like you were saying, like that's really a hard thing for the church because we want at least like, you know, you don't want anybody else to be burdened by your problems, but that's the thing. Like we are supposed to be able to bear one another's burdens. It tells us that in scripture, we are supposed to be able to lean into our family, our church family in order to be able to grieve. And I feel like because we have to be able to have that community, we have to be able to grieve, but honestly, truly, if people were to really see the brokenness, like I, like I was saying earlier, pain is so relatable. And if people were actually truly able to see others' pain and see what we ourselves are dealing with, would that also not be a strong testimony for the Lord? Just To be like, hey, you know, they're broken, too. Like, mm-hmm. they they have things going on, too. Well, you know, if they can still trust in the Lord, even in their hardship, even in this pain then there must be something still good about God versus we act like everything's okay. We sweep it under the rug. And I feel like that is really where it needs to change within church culture is yes, God is good. That doesn't mean we always have to be happy. That doesn't mean <laughs> we're always going to be happy, go lucky, marry you, all the things like there are times where it's hard, you know, mental what? illness is still a thing, you know, pain is still a thing. Um, hardships in marriage or with kids or, With, you know, if you're single, trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, those are all valid things to be able to struggle through. And it's okay to be able to open up about those things. I really love that you pointed that out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that and you know, you you keyed on keyed in on something. Happiness and joy are two very, very different things. And in our culture, we are so ingrained with this idea that we have this constant need to be happy right? We always feel like we have to be on cloud nine. We've got to be excited about the next big thing. And we are constantly striving to make ourselves happy, right? It's the American dream. You want to be happy. You want to have everything. But scripture doesn't ever tell us where to be happy It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. It says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, right? Joy is this thing that sustains us. And our joy doesn't come from temporary circumstances that come and go and are fleeting. But our joy is in the hope of Christ, in the hope of heaven, that one day we're going to be there with him face to face. And that's so wild to wrap our brains around. Because, you know, we're constantly chasing the next trend, the next big thing. But really, we were created for joy, this unspeakable joy that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, but that we can rest knowing without a shadow of a doubt that God's already won the battle for us. He's already gone before us and prepared the way. (laughs) He's already made our paths straight. And He's already made a home for us to come and be with Him one day. And I think when we shift our eyes from this earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective, our faith completely changes. The the way we see the world around us changes. The way that we speak to one another changes. Um, The way that we face hardship and face struggle and difficult circumstances and conversations all of it changes in light of the cross and in light of the hope of heaven, because we don't have to grieve like the rest of the world, but we get to grieve with the hope of Jesus. And I think that's so powerful.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Oh my goodness. I just love that so much. <laughs> thank you for saying that. So, well, as we are wrapping up, I just want to thank you so much, Tori, for coming on. It was such a Pleasure having you on the podcast, but before I let you go, um, one final question I wanted to ask you. So for any of our listeners who are currently grieving or are just having a hard time right now, what is possibly a piece of advice or even a scripture that you would like to point them to in order to maybe just give them some encouragement?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think one of the main things I can tell you is that you're not alone, that mm-hmm. In even in your suffering, even though you might feel like you're by yourself, you're never alone because you've got the Holy Spirit with you. Jesus said, it's better that I go away so that I can send the comforter, the helper to be with you. And we have him every single day. Scripture tells us that he sticks closer than a brother. And so if we press into God's presence, there you find the fullness of joy right? His words tell us that Psalms 56 and eight says that he keeps track of all our sorrows. It says, you have collected all my tears in a bottle. You have recorded each one of them in your book. So do you not think that your tears are so precious to the Lord that he's not collecting them in a book? I mean, how incredible is that, that he cares about his children that intimately? And I would just encourage you, if you're having one of those days that's difficult, go and read Psalms 139. It's my favorite passage of scripture because it starts out talking about, God, you have searched me and you know me. You know all there is to know about me. You know when I come, when I go, when I sit, when I rise. And he says this, you know every word before I say it, every thought in my head. But then as you go down through the verse, In about verse 13, 14, 15, he starts saying, God, you knit me together. When I was in my mother's womb, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. I know your workmanship to be good and true. Every one of my days was recorded in your book before a single one of them came to pass. Then it says this, God, the number of times you think about me during the day outnumber the grains of sand on the seashores. And even as amazing as all of that is, when you get down to the bottom of Psalms 139, the writer says, but God search me and test me. Know my every anxious thought. Point out if there's any way in me that is offensive to you and lead me in the way of the everlasting. And I think that's really impactful for us as Christians, because even as big as we know God to be we still wrestle with those anxious thoughts, those doubts, and we still trip up and mess up. But the beauty of it is even as intimately as he knows us better than we know ourselves, he still loves us no matter what, more than we could ever imagine. And so that's, um, you know, that's the thing that I just want to leave you with is the hope of Jesus, because that's, that's, what's gotten me through my season. (laughs) My pain is that God is for us. He is with us and he loves us. He's faithful through it all.
0: Wow. I just love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that is absolutely so true. Jesus is all that we have and he's going to get us through everything. And we're never, ever alone. And absolutely, if you have not read the scriptures that Tori just referenced, please go look all of them up. They are all so good. Highlight them in your Bible. Add them to the ones that you're going to be memorizing They're all just so good and absolutely wonderful to have. Tori, thank you so much for being on the Gracefully Refined podcast. I'm so glad we got to talk, friend. It's been too long.
1: Absolutely. Well, hey, I am thankful and I'm so crazy proud of you for all of this. And I'm proud of all God is doing through you. Thank you so much for letting me come on today.
0: Thank you. I love that. We'll have to talk soon. Thank you for tuning in for another episode here on the Gracefully Refined Podcast. I hope that this encouraged, uplifted, as well as strengthened you in your walk with Christ. If you didn't know, you can find me on all social media platforms under the name Morgan E. Redferrin. that is M-O-R-G-A-N-E-R-E-D-F-E-R-I-N, where I share even more about the love of Christ and just what He's doing in my life, as well as some mom and lifestyle hacks. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode or you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star review as this helps get the message of Christ and this ministry out to a broader audience. Thank you so much for tuning
1: in again, and I'll see you next time.